0: Hey, folks. Welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max. And joining me on today's somberest of all days, I've got David Weiss, as I'm sure every single person in Seminole Nation has heard. Bobby Bowden passed away early Sunday morning, August 8th, 2021, at the age of 91 years old. I do want to say I I thought I would be sadder. I think you look at what Bobby Bowden did. And I think he lived a life that really any of us would, would love to live. You know, he was sure he built a great football program on, on the field at Florida State had never had a 10 win season before he got here. And we'd had five or six head coaches, but off the field, you know, he, he was even better. He was a real mentor to a lot of young men that came through this program. Who A lot of them are in their sixties or even seventies. Now he was a great father, married for 71 years. To the to his wife, Anne, who our thoughts are with right now. And by all accounts, an incredible human being. Dave, I know you haven't really gotten to say your piece, so I will uh, open the floor to you for a moment before we talk about the program that he built.
1: Yeah, just firsthand, Bobby Bowden was an incredible person. I worked in the sports information department in my undergrad years and had to go up to Coach Bowden's office to get something and Took the time for whatever reason to spend like 10, 15 minutes talking to me. Big history buff. Great conversation. Aside from that, like Max said, he's just just an incredible person on and off the field. Was the kind of coach that actually made these players better men. And you don't see that all the time nowadays. I mean, I don't know how you quantify it. Develop the anyone, anytime, anywhere mantra for Florida State and you know, he had to at first because we weren't a program that was on the map. So he said, We'll play anywhere, anytime. And we did that. And he was good enough that we won those games and eventually won so many of those games that became a national power for a school that not too long before he got here was a women's college. Probably shouldn't have been good at football. We're nowhere near a major population area. We don't have the resources, all the schools we were competing against. But Bobby Bowden was so good at what he did that put us on the map. We played for multiple national championships, won two under him, probably should have won a lot more, but thank you, Coach Bowden, for everything. A lot of good memories and a lot, lot to be happy about with his life. So,
0: Now we're going to do a transition here. Please don't hold it against us. We are, after all, a Seminole sports talk show. Uh, we're two alumni that grew up as Seminole fans. We love the school. We love the institution. And it really does sadden us that Bobby's gone. But again, I, I think it's more of a celebration of life. I mean, how cool is it that He got to leave Florida State at a pretty old age and then got to see the program he built go on to win another national championship with another Heisman winner.
1: Yeah, there's a weird alternate universe where he doesn't come to Florida State, he goes to Alabama, and Florida State is Kansas football.
0: You know, probably the best example of what Bobby was in the 80s, Dave, is probably what's happening with Matt Campbell at Iowa State right now. He's taking a program that really has never done anything. You know, I I said Bob Stoops and in Oklahoma, but Florida State had never accomplished anything in football. At least they had national championships under Barry Switzer. Iowa State, Matt Campbell, he's building a program on nothing and he's getting actively getting offers from bigger schools like you mentioned with Alabama, and he's turning them down in favor of building up this school that was like fifth tier of their current conference and he's putting some bigger schools on notice and that's what bobby did in the 80s he was here for two years and they won 10 games i'll i'm just gonna kind of
1: reiterate what i said before which is that we have no business being in the position we're in for where we started
0: yeah no totally agree but let's talk about the position we are in for a second folks we're gonna have another great week for you we're very very excited for this week we Last week, we had sort of episodes that all built on each other, and we're going to recreate that for you this week. That way, we give you a full two and a half hours over the course of five daily shows, Monday through Friday, that are really going to help get you ready for the season. If you haven't checked out last week's, go do it. We started with the offensive depth chart, defensive depth chart. Wednesday, we talked Notre Dame. Thursday, we talked about what what life is going to look like on September 6th after the Notre Dame game. Then Friday, we brought it. One step further, and we talked about leg two of the season, that's day after Notre Dame through UNC. Today, we're going to back it up once again. We're going to talk about something y'all in the corporate world may be familiar with. See, we're going to need something to judge our performance off of, because I think one of the greatest debates out there is, what does success look like for this team this year? And we've gone back and forth about how do we have this conversation? How do we frame it? And well, my company just finished a fiscal year, so I'm having to do this and we're going to do it for the team. We're going to talk about the key performance indicators that we need to see to know this team's on the right track. That's not going to be what could this team possibly do if they catch lightning in a bottle. It's not going to be, okay, what's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to talk about, hey, these are the things we need to see from these units and during these games to say, okay we're we're headed the right direction. So Dave, today we're going to talk about the offense. Tomorrow we're going to talk defense. We're going to talk the Notre Dame game. Then we're going to talk leg 2 of the season through the UNC game. Then we're going to talk National Signing Day. So Dave, let's let's start with the offense. But before we do that, I need to tell the folks about Stat Hero. Stat Hero is a daily sports fantasy sports book that puts the player in control of winning within reach. Essentially what they do as they give you a bunch of numbers and they help you figure out who you should be starting on your daily fantasy team, you know, DraftKings, those kinds of things, but they do it better. So folks, if you want to win daily fantasy and not just be throwing a couple bucks at a lineup here, a couple bucks at a lineup there, go to the folks that know the numbers, go to Stat Hero. We always say football is random. We always say there's a lot of variance, but daily fantasy, not so much. It's actually pretty much a numbers game. I've got a few buddies that play it mostly professionally, and they'll tell you it is a numbers game. So go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, do it right now and you can get three times back on your first play. That's right. They're giving you a 300% match. So go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up today, make some money. Thank me later. All right, buddy. So what we're going to do is we are going to talk about what do we need to see from the offense as a whole to say, hey, Following this season, we're moving in the right direction. Before we get into the granular details, what are one or two things that you need to see from this offense to say, okay, I know we're headed in the right direction, headed into 2022?
1: There's a couple things I could point to specifically. And one of them is, and you may disagree with this, and I would understand why, I want a running back to lead the team in rushing yards. And, and Jordan Travis is a dynamic weapon, no question. But if our quarterback is leading the team in rushing yards, I don't think we have our best rushing attack. And I don't think we're having our best passing attack, if that's the conversation we're having.
0: You know, surprisingly, I am completely okay with that. I would like a running back to be our leading rusher. My main number one thing I want to see to say, hey, I'm feeling good about 2022. I want the same five offensive linemen to start in the same position for more than five games. Five games or more. So five is a push. So 45% or more, I want the same five offensive linemen starting in the same positions. That will tell me, even with Dylan Gibbons graduating, DLT graduating, that'll tell me we have two guys to replace instead of, okay, we still need to figure out who's in what spots and moving people around.
1: And you know, it's tough to predict injury on the offensive line, but I think you said in a previous episode, seven or less offensive line combinations, or is it was it six or less, would be awesome.
0: It was six, right. So we had like nine different combinations two years ago, or three years ago. I think we had seven two years ago. And I think last year we actually got it down to five combinations. So this year, I now with five games, we could, if six more, we could see seven combinations. That's why I didn't, I didn't judge it based on there, because if our center goes down, we may have to move guys in and out. But I would, barring serious injuries, that's what I want to see is say, okay, for 45% of our games, for five games, we had the same five offensive linemen trotting out onto the field. Training camp start on Saturday. There was a Twitter video with it looked like the ones. It was Mackenzie Milton throwing a seam route to Jordan Wilson, the tight end out of UCLA who was hurt last year. Who, by the way, holy cow! For a guy who's 260 pounds, he runs like a true tight end and not like the sixth offensive lineman we've we've heard he was gonna be. Corbin was also in the backfield. I couldn't see all their numbers because some of them had their hands in front of them, whatever. But let me give you the lineup I think I saw. It looked like we had Baby on Johnson at center, Dylan Gibbons at left guard, and then surprisingly at left tackle was Lloyd Willis. Dave, did you know who that name was before I sent it in the group chat? Because I had to when I looked up and saw the name, I had to click on him to remember who he was.
1: I remember him being a recruit, but I think that's the last time I heard about it was when he signed with the class.
0: Yeah. So Lloyd Willis would be a really interesting left tackle situation. He is, as you know, I like the height. He's six foot seven, 330 pounds. Dude, his frame just from that video is incredible. I mean, he, uh, he looks like, you know, a power forward, right? He's just got, he looks kind of like, he's like a Raekwon Gray frame. I mean, just big, long, you know, he carries about 50, 60 pounds heavier. He was at a in Miami. I don't know the exact story. I tried to find it, but I couldn't. I do remember hearing about when he was a a recruit, though. I think he was a basketball player that got into football sophomore, junior year of high school. He had a few offers out of of, uh, high school, FIU. I think UCF offered him, and Indiana was his other one. We got him as sort of a project in the 2020 class, or maybe 2021 class even. And yeah, now he's here and it looks like you know they might be working him at left tackle. I love to see six, seven at left tackle. But let's go position by position. So running backs, let's set the locked-on Seminoles KPIs for the running backs on the season. Other than one of them, you know, leading the uh leading the team in rushes. What do you want to see for the running backs when we look back at this season in December to say, okay, I think we're headed in the right direction?
1: Well, first of all, I want to see a couple guys with more than five yards of carry. We actually did that last year, but over the course of a whole season, I think that's going to be harder to do. Um, And if that is happening, that means a lot's going right. Number two is I want to see, I want to see catches out of the backfield. I think if we're more dynamic running game, where you have to actually worry about our running backs in the passing game, that's going to open up a ton for the quarterbacks, both Mackenzie Milton throwing and Jordan Travis running. So. You you know it's kind of counterintuitive given that I said I want to see like a running back lead the team in carries, but I also want to see like Sean Corbin seem to have pretty good hands last year, and if that continued to develop, I expect a lot more from this offense.
0: I'd like to see seventeen hundred and fifty yards from that backfield total yards. Obviously, in the years of Dalvin Cook, that would have been low for our backfield's production, but I think what we've seen the past couple of years that will make me feel like okay, if we can get between our three main backs. I'll say that I want our three top backs to combine for 1,750 yards of production.
1: Yeah. I mean, so Cam Akers had what, uh, like 1,150, and we don't have a Cam Akers, but we have a lot more guys, I think, now than were good
0: back then. That's exactly right. Now, with Cam in 2019, if you add in his rushing yards, he had uh, 1,369, right? So that's like you split his production over two people, and then you add in another 400 yards between rushing and receiving with the third guy. I think that would be an extremely productive backfield and tell me, okay, A, our offensive line blocked well, B, our running backs are starting to come together because I believe we will get every single one of these running backs back next year if none of them go to the NFL.
1: If if we don't get one of these running backs back next year, I, I suspect that means something went really right. If somebody wants to put up a 1,500-yard year and go to the NFL, please, by all means, do it.
0: What about wide receivers? What is something that we're going to want to look back and say, okay, I saw this from my wide receivers, and now I feel like we're headed in the right direction. Okay. I,
1: I want someone not named Ontario Wilson or Keyshawn Helton to lead the team in receiving. I I don't dislike those guys. I think they're fine receivers, but they're not better than that, in my view. And I think we have a few guys on the roster who are very young and very talented, who, if they reach anywhere near their potential, can... Probably post close to a thousand yard season. And I don't see it being one of those two being a thousand thousand yard receiver, which I really want to see again.
0: Yeah, Dave, that's pretty in line with what I wrote down. My goal is I want to know that the receiving core has matured. So I'd like to see three underclassmen receivers that's redshirt, sophomore or below have at least 12 catches. Now they can have 40. That would be incredible. But I want to see at least three underclassmen get 12 catches. I was looking at the 2019 stats when some of these guys who are you mentioned were a little a little younger. And in 2019, Keyshawn had 17 catches. Uh, Ontario Wilson had 21. Keith Gavin Keith Gavin had 18. But then you look a little further down. Warren Thompson had six. Uh, a Darius Dent I don't even remember him. He had two. But our upper class, and you know, DJ Matthews had 36 that year. Tamor and Terry had 60 that year. I guess, actually, tomorrow might have been a sophomore that year. He may have. Either way. Point being, so if we have three guys that have at least 12 catches with the upper class that we have, with Andrew Parchment, with Ontario Wilson, with Keyshawn Helton, with Jordan Wilson, and with our boy Cam McDonald, that's five capable receivers. So if three guys not named any of those five have at least 12 catches, I'm going to feel pretty good about us headed into the offseason. What about the offensive line? This one's a little bit, unless you went into you know, some advanced stats, it's a little more difficult to quantify. So qualitatively, what are you feeling? What's, what's going to make you feel like, hey, this team moved forward, and you can't steal mine from my overall about the offensive line?
1: We took way too many sacks last year. We were, we were not good at protecting the quarterback. We were 112th in sack rate allowed, and there's not many more teams than 112. And this offensive line progressed a lot in terms of other statistics, particularly in the run game, but sack rate was not one of them. And we have to get back better at that, or whoever is back there is
0: going to be murdered
1: under center. We can't see that.
0: No, that's that's exactly right. We have to improve in sacks. I think we could put a number on that, Dave. How many sacks do you think is acceptable for our quarterbacks to take to make you feel like, okay, we improved this year and I think we're taking a step forward. Do you have a number in mind? I mean, I'd like to see for sure less than three sacks a game. Uh, Under two and a half would be ideal in my view. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a really fair goal. And I think no worse than than in the seventies for something with, uh, for this offensive line, what we've seen that tells me we're moving in the right direction. Now, just to give the folks that we're not totally setting our standards low. And these again are indicators we're heading in the right direction. What do we really want to see? I mean, I think I don't think it's unfair to ask this offensive line to give us less than two sacks a game. Oh,
1: and and two two sacks a game would still put us like in the fifties or forties nationally. So it's not like we're asking them to be the best offensive line in the country in terms of protecting the quarterback, but we gave up three and a half sacks a game last year. And it has to be at least one sack better
0: than that. Exactly. I I think if we get under two sacks, I'm going to say, wow, Atkins earned that extension that they just slapped on him. But if we get two and a half sacks a game, okay, one full less sack a game, that's five to 12 yards less that we are giving the other team per game. That's basically one less first down per game you're giving to the other team. That's, That's a real number, and that's something that I'm really happy with. So Dave, before we jump over and we do what the coaches key performance indicators, KPIs for y'all corporate linguists out there, are going to be for this season as a whole on the offensive side of the ball, I want to tell the folks about the same thing I tell them about every week, and that's Bilt Bar. Ladies and gentlemen, Bilt Bar, it's 15 to 18 grams of protein, depending on the flavor. It's five. That's right. Only five grams of sugar. Only five grams of carbs. Tell you what. It's a lot less than this beautifully, wonderfully delicious Dr. Pepper I'm drinking right now. And honestly, I kind of wish I'd grabbed a Bilt Bar because it would have been the same delicious candy taste. It would have just had a lot less calories, a lot more protein, and a lot less carbs and sugar. But, you know, can't win them all. I didn't win today, but I hope you all win for the rest of the week by going to BiltBar.com and using promo code LOCKED15. And after you're doing that and your stomach's all settled and you're thinking with your thinking cap, Head on over to betonline.ag, and that's right, it's bringing us to the betonline.ag line of the day. And David, I think I've got the first one for him. I've got a juicy one. You know, I I typically don't. I'm not the one to make the picks, but I think that the I think Vegas is missing out on this one. I really do. I know they just got the new hot shot. I don't need my senior year. I've got a bleach blonde mullet quarterback. I know they already had a five-star in front of him at Ohio State, but I think they're showing some disrespect to my man P.J. Fleck by making Ohio State 14-point road favorites at Minnesota on Thursday, September 2nd. I feel like that is way too big of a home dog for a Thursday night game to open the season when you've already got a brand new quarterback you're trying to break in. And you just brought in a brand new five star an entire year early to screw with his head. I don't know. Dave, what do you think? Ohio State minus 14 at Minnesota, 8 p.m., opening Thursday. What are you taking there?
1: Yeah, um, I'll give the 14 points. I probably would have given more than that, honestly. Uh, Minnesota was the 50th. No belief in my boy, PJ Flack. They were the 58th best team in the country last year. I mean, I don't know much about them. Maybe they'll get better, but they're going to get pounded by Ohio State.
0: That's a lot of points on a Thursday night, right out of training camp against a team that's going to be all motivated and inspired and, oh, uh, well, I don't know. Who knows? Well, I'm sticking with my guns, even though now I, this is why I don't bet on big spreads. But either way, I'm going to make that my betonline.ag line of the day. Minnesota plus 14 on Thursday. Dave's telling you to take the minus 14 on Ohio State. We'll write it down and we'll see who ends up being right. So, David, let's dive into the coaches on the offensive side of the ball. What are the key performance indicators that we need to see from the coaching staff to think, hey, we're moving in the right direction headed to 2022. For the season as a whole, it can be recruiting based, obviously, because this is coaching staff or it can be on the field.
1: All right, this one's easy for me. Last year, we were 116th in the country in third down conversion percentage. That is way too many third downs that we're in bad spots on, and even so not converting. I got to see us converting on better than 40% of third downs, and I got to think the coaches are going to probably take that and be a little smarter than they were last year in terms of their play calling and the positions they're putting this team in, so that on third down, third and five or less, and not third and whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one. We've got to convert more on third down. What do we want to put it in rankings? I think we should, I think I need to know that this team is in the top 50 teams in the country converting third downs before I'm confident they can win anything. And when I say headed in the right direction, I'm sorry it took us till segment three to define this, but to me headed in the right direction means I'm thinking, okay, we could conceivably win the ACC in the next two to three years, because I think that that is what we should be thinking. If we're thinking, "Oh, there's no way we win the ACC within 3 years, I'm probably packing this thing up, probably getting rid of my season tickets and just I don't know, I'll start watching the NFL or something."
1: Yeah, that I obviously it's got a lot to do with personnel in terms of our converting on third down. But we got like markedly worse last year and we were one of the worst teams in the country. And if we're getting if our offense is off the field, our defense is going to be worse. It's going to put them in bad spots. They weren't good last year, but our offense didn't make that defense any better.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that is a really great one, and mine was going to be similar. I want to see us. I and I picked fiftieth for you because I was going to pick it for me. I want to see this team within the top fifty teams in pre snap penalties and in penalties as a whole, like getting the fewest number.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one to me because if you go through like the rankings on total penalties. You'll sometimes see the top teams in the country up there, like Clemson or Alabama or whatever.
0: You want to see effort penalties, right? You don't want to be under penalized, but that's why that's why I definitely put pre-snap penalties in there, right? Because you want your penalties to be—if you have sixty yards of penalties a game—you want it to be like two pass interferences on two offsides because you were trying to jump on a, on a second or a third down, and you know maybe a unnecessary roughness because a guy got a little heated or. Yeah, we can clean that up. But yeah, you don't want to see none, but I think top 50, that's top 3rd in the FBS. I think that's a very realistic realistic standard to to put on these guys.
1: Oh, along those lines, I want you to close your eyes and envision Bavion Johnson tapping his helmet after a false start. I I I need to see zero of those this year. Not a single one. I can't I can't ever see that again
0: or I'm going to have PTSD. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about the Bavion Johnson. Head taps. Yes, baby, we know you got to use your head, so start using it. But, yeah, we were highly penalized last year, too high. So to run that back, we're going to want to see a couple guys with more than five yards per carry. We're going to want to see 1,750 yards of production from our top three running backs. That's catching and rushing combined. We're going to want to see our leading receiver be someone other than Wilson or Helton. I want to see three underclassmen with at least 12 catches. You know what? I'm going to give a quarterback one because I know they're going to let him throw. I want Jordan Travis to have over a 58% completion percentage. Yep. I think he was 55% last
1: year. And if he gets to 58,
0: that tells me he can get to 60 next year.
1: I want to see 6,000 yards from Mackenzie Milton.
0: Okay. Real, like I said, realistic goals. Good. I'm glad we stuck within that. Uh, offensive line, under two and a half sacks per game. And I want to see the same starting five for five games or more. Dave wants to see us far better than 116th and third down conversion percentage. We're shooting for the top 50 or, you know, top third. I also want to see us in the top 50th or better, both for total penalties and for pre snap penalties. However, if we're a little worse for total penalties, but we hit it for pre-snap penalties, I'll feel pretty good about this coaching staff's discipline. And, folks, I hope you feel pretty good about the rest of your day. It's It sucks. There's no other way to put it that we had to start with the topic we had to start with. Bobby, obviously the season will be dedicated to you as every season is. But, folks, that's about it for Locked On Seminoles. Like we said, we come to you every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. Take a second right now. Open your podcast app. Hit us with a five-star review. Make sure you follow the pod so it pops up in your feed every day. And we took a listener question last week. We're not against doing it this week. So if you want to, hit me in the DMs at MaxMoody17. We will see y'all first thing Tuesday morning. I'm Max. That's Dave. And this was Locked on Seminoles. Thanks, hey, Coach. That's still a good episode. Like, You know
1: what's funny? I do think- not